Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Tech Prep Podcast. My name is Matt Cola, and I'm the Tech Prep Coordinator at Kent State University. We are glad to welcome you back to the second in a two-part series with Dr. Ben Perot from the Ohio Department of Higher Education. What you are about to hear is a recording of the back half of the full interview I had with Dr. Perot. To hear the first half of the interview, please go ahead and listen to the last episode. Without further ado, please enjoy the second part of the interview. How does the state decide what a CTAG is? There's no magic formula. I wish sometimes there were, there were, but um, there are a lot of uh, considerations that go into sort of deciding which courses that we can develop as a CTEG. So first of all, some of it is just kind of practical considerations. So we need to look at, okay, how many colleges and universities offer a course in this area? And is there a high school course that essentially covers the same content? So some of it is just the reality because not all high school courses cover, you know, the same material or cover it at, at the level that is needed to, to justify sort of awarding college credit for it. And so some of it is just those practical considerations, just like, can it apply? But we also need to look at, the other question is, is, is there a pathway for it? So we need to make sure that if we're establishing a new CTAG course, we want to make sure how it fits into existing degree programs at the college level. Because the idea behind CTAGs in general is that the, the goal basically is to save students time and money by awarding college credit for the stuff that they've already mastered, right? So they've already demonstrated, I can, you know, do all these things. I have, you know, these particular skills, this content I've already mastered. So there's no reason for me to have to repeat it at college to, you know, enter this degree program. So the idea then is that if we can award them credit for one, two, three courses that would then apply to a specific degree program, so like an associate degree program or a bachelor's program in that particular major, then the students can sort of skip the, you know, first, second, and third, maybe third courses in that program, and then enter the later courses in the sequence and in, in the major and still be successful. So we need to make sure that those pathways exist because if, hypothetically, if there were a high school course um, that could align maybe to just like some random elective course at the college level, but it doesn't really lead into something, then that's another consideration that we would take into account when we're deciding whether whether or not to, to try to create a new CTAG for that. And then the final, probably the most important consideration is that we look at the workforce needs of the state. So we need to see does this course actually lead into careers that we need people to fill, basically, in the state of Ohio? Um, so an excellent example of this is in advanced manufacturing. So many of you have probably heard that Intel announced a little over a year ago now that they're uh, planning to establish a new big plant in Ohio. And this is actually going to lead to thousands and thousands of jobs, basically, for, not just for Intel specifically, but also for the many companies that are going to need to support um, that factory. So by either supplying materials or machinery that Intel would need to acquire from other companies. And so part of that is that we need technicians to fill these positions in areas where there aren't currently a whole lot of courses being offered around the state. And so our team is actually trying to fix that by partnering with all of the colleges and universities throughout the state, but also with the high school career tech programs to develop these new courses together. And so by ensuring that the colleges and universities 
universities and the high school programs are all teaching roughly the same content, it's going to make it a lot easier for students then to sort of move through the different pipelines that we're creating. So basically, um, we're trying to create new C tags in advanced manufacturing. So students who are in engineering technology or manufacturing programs at the high school level, they could then take these new courses that we're developing and then continue on into a college level program and either do a one-year certificate program or an associate program or even a bachelor's program, but then be well positioned to enter these new jobs that we're expecting to open up within the next year or so uh, working for Intel. So so that's something that's really exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what comes of this. But yeah, so that's one really great example of how the sort of workforce needs of the state can uh, determine which CTAC courses we're developing. Asking a quick follow-up about the approval process, you said that it involves, you know, determining determining some equivalencies with different college courses and what students are learning in high school. What level of faculty, college faculty involvement and high school educator involvement is there in this approval process? All step of the development phase, the faculty, both college and high school faculty are very closely involved. So, so uh, when we were developing a new CTAG course, the college faculty work together Um, to develop the college-level learning outcomes. So essentially they say, this is the list of stuff that that needs to be covered in this course to basically ensure that all of the courses offered at the college level are equivalent. Meanwhile, the high school faculty are working to update sort of the content that's offered in the course at the high school level, which frequently includes a lot more content than the college level learning outcomes because the high school courses are typically meeting five days a week for 36 weeks out of the year versus a college course typically meets, you know, like three hours a week for 15 weeks in the semester. So so they're updating that content, but then once both groups have sort of done that for their respective courses, then they begin the alignment process by basically making sure, okay, is all of the content from the college level learning outcomes, is that covered in the high school course to the extent that it needs to be in order to make sure that the students have learned all of the necessary material to qualify for college credit. So that sort of negotiation process, the, the college and the high school faculty work together. And then once they've everybody has agreed that those two courses align, then actually both sets of faculty work together to write that end of course web web exam that I mentioned. So that's the thing that that the students need to earn a certain score on to qualify for college credit through uh, the CTAG initiative. And so those faculty actually work together to make sure that that test is written for those learning outcomes that were established as part of the CTAG process. And then the final thing I'll mention is once a CTAG is up and running. Um, Basically, that's the point that where the colleges and universities need to uh, submit their individual courses for approval. Um, So basically, that process then entails, So you know, the college faculty say like, oh, I see there's a new CTAG in financial accounting. This is the accounting course that we offer. We think, you know, it does meet all of these learning outcomes. So they basically submit their course for review by a faculty panel. So then again, there's a group of faculty who review these courses and they make sure that that course um, does actually cover all of the content from the CTAC course, essentially making sure that, oh yeah, this course is appropriate to award a CTAC credit for a student coming in. And this course is going to set the student up for success if they then continue in, you know, like a business program then that requires that accounting course. And so faculty involved in all steps of the process and and they make sure number one priority is that everything is going to work out smoothly for students so that everything is going to set them up for success as they continue throughout their academic career. 
Great, thank you. As a follow-up question to that, what happens if a university doesn't have an approved CTAG equivalency? Uh, so that could actually be uh, sort of a couple of different scenarios. So it could mean that, let's say, they do have a course that is probably equivalent. They just haven't um, had the chance to submit the course and get it approved yet by that faculty panel that I mentioned. Um, so in that case, um, if there is a course that probably is equivalent, it's just not approved yet, the institution is still expected to accommodate that student by awarding credit in some sort of meaningful way. Um, sometimes they may actually just award credit for that specific course. Sometimes they may award um, some sort of like elective credit that can fulfill the same requirement as that course would. But either way, so they should work together with the student to award credit in a way that actually, you know, benefits the student directly. So the more common scenario that you may actually find is just where the school doesn't actually have an equivalent course at all. So this is a, a totally different thing. So it could mean that they do actually have a program in that discipline, but they don't have a course that aligns to it, in which case a lot of schools will choose to award some sort of elective credit. They'll say like, oh, we recognize that you took you know, a course within this discipline that theoretically, if we offered that particular course, it could apply to this major. So we'll grant you some sort of like elective transfer credit, but then make sure that it counts toward your degree. So they can sort of find creative solutions to make it fit in. But that, but then the, the broadest scenario would be if they don't even have a, a program at all in that area. So let's say you took, you know, like you did like an exercise science career tech program um, in high school, you decided it's not really your thing. And so then you go to a college or university planning to study something else, but the college or university that you go to doesn't have exercise science courses whatsoever. In that scenario, then the college is not necessarily required to award any sort of credit, but many of them may choose to award just like general elective credit that could count toward the total number of hours you need for your degree or something like that. But so yeah, so there are a couple of different scenarios. But so this is one important thing to consider though, if as you're planning which college or university you want to attend, it is important to make sure, does this institution actually offer courses that I could qualify for credit for? Credit for? So, so I would recommend that you speak with either your instructor or your counselor at school should be able to help you figure out which colleges and universities do offer the programs that you're looking for. We do have online tools basically where people can search to see, oh, which courses are approved for CTEC credit at this college, at this university. And that's one really helpful way then that you can sort of make an informed decision to make sure that you're going to a college then that's going to be able to accommodate your credit as much as possible. Thank you. So how does a student get their CTAG credit? So we have a magical system that is, it's not really magic, unfortunately. Um, it's called CTAV. You don't really need to know what it stands for or how it works. But basically, it's a it's a verification system that we can use where we receive data basically for all of the eligible students based on, you know, the our colleagues who work with our secondary districts. They send us the data basically showing, you know, this student took this course and this web exam and got this score, and therefore they qualify for CTAC credit for this particular course. So we basically then have a system then where we put all of that data 
um, into the system. And then the colleges and universities can basically just run a query. So they said, oh, Joe Smith reached out to me. He said he thinks that he's eligible for CTEC credit for these courses. And they can basically verify in the system which courses Joe Smith is eligible for. So the system should work pretty smoothly, and it does in, in most cases. Specifically, when you take the web exam for a CTAG eligible course, the system will actually ask you a question that says, this course possibly qualifies for college credit if you meet all the requirements. And then it will ask you if you give permission for any Ohio public college or university that, that you later actually enroll at to award the CTAC credit. So if you say yes to that permission question, then the CTAC credit, best case scenario, can just magically appear on your transcript when you then enroll at that college because they will see that you're coming into their college, they'll run you know, your student ID number into their system, and it's gonna show the report that says, you know, Jane Miller is eligible for credit for these courses, and then they can go ahead and post that to Jane's transcript. That's the best case scenario. In some instances, though, you may need to reach out to the college to make sure that your CTAC credit is going to be posted because it could be possible that either they just didn't run your student ID number, so they just accidentally left you out of the system because a lot of these schools are running queries for literally thousands of students, so sometimes that can happen, or it could be that there was some sort of like reporting error that if like your high school like entered the course code wrong or something like that, or just like the registrar staff just haven't had time to process the credit yet. Either way, if you're not seeing the credit on your transcript, you can always reach out. So I would say don't hesitate to to do that. So if you think like, yep, I'm pretty sure I qualify for credit, you can speak with your academic advisor at the college or university that you enroll at. They can probably assist you with the process or you could also reach out directly to the office that actually processes transfer credit. So that's typically either the registrar's office or the office of admissions. So you can reach out to whichever office is appropriate and just send them an email or, or call them and say, hey, I think I'm eligible for CTAC credit or I took I took career tech programs in high school and my teacher told me that they might qualify for college credit. What do I need to do to, to get that credit posted? And then they can sort of run that query. And then if there's any follow-up steps that they need you to do, they can sort of walk you through that step. So yeah, so absolutely don't hesitate to to ask about it because you may need to. But in theory, everything generally works pretty smoothly. You may need to send an email or two or call somebody, but in most cases, it's not a huge hassle to sort of get that credit posted, which is great. So you mentioned that the last question on these CTAG exams is that students have to give approval. What happens if they click no or if they forget to answer that question? Can they change their mind later? Absolutely. You can change your mind. Um, And it's good news is it's pretty easy to fix. Um, So if you do then later decide that you do want the credit to be posted, all you need to do is give permission to the college or university then where you later enroll. Typically, all you need to do is like send an email. Some some of them have like a little like, you know, PDF form or something that they, that they may ask you to submit online, but it's typically pretty easy. So just reach out to, again, um, either you could start with your academic advisor or you can reach out directly to the registrar staff or admissions and just say, hey, you know, I, th- I think I qualify for, for college credit because I took this career tech. Um, program and I think I need to give permission, what do I need to do to 
to do that. And typically, most schools, again, just require like an email basically saying like, hey, I want this credit to be posted. Please do, please do it. And so it's pretty easy. So there's not some long involved process. But you again, you just need to, to reach out and ask what you need to do for that specific college or university. Shifting focus away from CTAGs and bilateral agreements. I know there is another program out there called ITAG. It's relatively new. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So ITAGs are our newest statewide transfer initiative. So ITAG stands for Industry Recognized Credential Transfer Assurance Guide. So the I is sort of doing a lot of heavy lifting and in, in that in that acronym. But so industry recognized credentials, uh, there are literally thousands and thousands of them out there, but they basically are sort of third party assessments, basically where you can qualify to show competency in a particular skill or discipline or something. And so the ITAG initiative then basically awards college credit for specific industry recognized credentials that faculty experts have determined are aligned to to college coursework meaning that the exam that you have to take to to earn that credential it assesses all of the content that's covered in the college course that essentially is equivalent. So a good example, so we just recently announced uh, new ITAGs for the different Microsoft Office programs. So there's a Microsoft Excel associate credential, there's a Microsoft Word associate credential, et cetera. So for those uh, PowerPoint, Access, Word, and Excel, they're all different credentials that, that Microsoft actually releases so that anybody who has proficiency in those skills with those particular tools can sit for this online line exam showing that they're proficient using Excel, for example. And then many colleges and universities also offer courses on Excel because it's such a universally helpful tool in so many different careers. And so then any student then who's coming in, having already earned that Microsoft Excel credential, can qualify for credit for that Microsoft Excel course at that college or university, and all they have to do basically is show that that they have that credential. So they basically just have to email verification from Microsoft or whichever, you know, body is sort of hosting that credential. And so they just say, like, here's, you know, proof of my credential. I'm requesting ITAC credit. And then that credit can be posted to their, to their transcript. Ohio is actually one of the very few states that is actually doing this at a statewide level. So all eyes are sort of on Ohio at the moment, which is exciting. You can find a list of all of the credentials that uh, qualify for ITAC credit on our website, which is transfercredit.ohio.gov. So if you go there, we have a couple different ways where you can find it. So you can visit one of the ITAC pages, or we also have a credit transfer tool. So if you click on the student section of our webpage and then click on the credit transfer tool, that actually has a list where if you click on the credentials section, it actually produces the full list of credentials that exist as ITAGs. And you can say, oh yeah, I've earned that credential. And then you can actually search to see which colleges and universities have an approved course for it. So ITAGs can apply to a whole bunch of different student populations. So it could be people coming from the workforce. So maybe they earned the credentials on the job and they sat for the credential and then they decided that they want to go to college and earn some kind of degree. But it could also apply to high school career tech students. So for example, if there are some credentials that are covered and included in like high school career tech programs, but that don't exist as CTAGs because the course itself covers a lot more stuff. So for example, the Microsoft ones are a good example because like Microsoft Excel and Word and stuff, that's actually built into a lot of career tech programs, like especially stuff in like the business pathway programs and like health information management, things like where you're doing a lot of office type 
stuff. And so as part of that program, I know a lot of the instructors will have their students sit for the Microsoft Word or Excel associate credentials because, you know, they've done enough with it throughout their program. And so then if you've earned that credential as part of your program, you would then qualify for ITAG credit that way. Additionally, there are some disciplines that don't have established CTAGs because the courses at the high school level don't really line up to the college level all that well. So a good example of this is welding. So the welding courses at the high school level aren't typically one-to-one equivalency, so it's difficult to establish a CTAG in that area. But we do have a welding ITAG. So if you have completed a welding program at the high school level, and if you earned a credential through the American Welding Society, you may then qualify for ITAG credit then if, if your AWS credentials you know, have been established as ITAG. So the final thing I would say about ITAGs is it could also be maybe not a great test taker and you didn't do all that well on the web exam or something, or maybe you just were having an off day or whatever. And so if you didn't earn that qualifying score on the web exam and you don't qualify for CTAG credit, there are some courses that are both CTAGs and ITAGs. So an example of this is computer-aided design and drafting, CAD. So you can qualify for CTAG credit if you take the course through an Ohio Public High School and earn the proficient score in the web exam, but there are also CAD ITAGs. So uh, different credentials um, from Autodesk or SolidWorks have been established for ITAG credit. And so if you do happen to earn one of those credentials, but you don't technically qualify for the CTAG credit, you could still get credit for the same course by showing evidence that you've got the SolidWorks credential or the Autodesk credential. So basically, ITAGs are just a way to sort of build upon, you know, the existing CTAGs that we already have and provide even more opportunity for students. So certainly, you know, if you have credentials that you've earned throughout your program, definitely take a look at our website and see is, you know, does my particular credential qualify for ITAG credit? And we will go ahead and make sure that we have transfercredit.ohio.gov listed in the episode description for you. Last question, uh, and it's okay if the answer is no, we covered it all, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask if there's any other uh, initiatives or opportunities available to CTE students upon entering higher education that I didn't ask about that you'd like to mention. There are a couple I can mention quickly. So one is very specific Specific if you are planning to enlist in the military after you graduate high school. So my colleagues who work with our military transfer initiatives have created several opportunities for students. We call them MTACs because we're fond of our tags. Uh, so military transfer assurance guides. But basically, so the, the coursework or the training that you would receive during your time in the military can also qualify for college credit. So if that's, you know, a path that you're planning to pursue. So if you're uh, looking to enter the military after you graduate high school, but then are hoping to go come back to Ohio for college or university, you could possibly qualify for additional credit beyond the other opportunities that we've already talked to based on your time in the military. So definitely um, you can explore those options. And then the final thing I'll say is if something else is still missing. So if all of the opportunities we talked about today still don't cover something that you have sort of in your academic background, you can still ask if there's a way that you could get credit for it once you enroll at a college or university. So most institutions have a process for assessing credit for prior learning. So this can often be the case if, so let's say um, after you graduate high school, you go into the workforce for a couple years and you learn a bunch of new skills and then you enter college or university. You can, some of the stuff that you've learned on the job 
is possibly similar to the content that you would be expected to, you know, learn for the first time in the degree program that you're enrolling at. So if you notice like, hey, this first course that they're telling me to take for my major, this stuff that I already know how to do, you could ask your advisor, say, what are the opportunities to to look into credit for prior learning for this? Because I'm pretty sure based on like the course description that I already know all this stuff. And a lot of schools will have a, a processes in place sometimes then like the instructor for that course would actually give you an assessment, like sometimes actually just give you like the final exam or some other kind of performance assessment based on what the, the discipline is. Sometimes also if you have a credential in that area, so if you have an industry recognized credential in that particular discipline that isn't yet established as an ITAG, sometimes that can sort of count as enough proof basically to qualify for college credit for a course that ha- covers the same content. So I'd say it never hurts to ask, right? Because the, the worst they can say is like, no, unfortunately, we don't think you qualify for this particular course. But always, if you think that you do have like skills and knowledge that is the same as existing college courses that are part of your program, just ask to see what your options were. Because obviously, we don't want students to have to spend time and money basically to to take a course on stuff that they've already learned. So it never hurts to ask to see what other opportunities are available that are specific to that institution. And then just go from there. Great. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. How can people contact you if they have any further or follow-up questions? Uh, so my email address is uh, bperot at highered.ohio.gov. So again, that's a B as in Benjamin. And then my last name is Perot, spelled like parrot, P-A-R-R-O-T at highered.ohio.gov. And we'll put that in the episode description. Perfect, yeah. And we also have a, a generic email address that's transfer at highered.ohio.gov. So you can always email that that sort of general uh, email address with any sort of questions that you may have about anything transfer-related, so CTAG-related, ITAG-related, MTAG-related, whatever, and then we can sort of forward that to the appropriate person. So if you don't want to reach out to me directly, you can always go to that generic one. I'd like to thank Dr. Perot again for sitting with me for that super enlightening interview. I also want to thank you all for joining us on this new podcasting journey that the region has begun since the beginning of this school year. Uh, I want to wish you and yours a very happy holidays uh, and enjoy your winter breaks. And I look forward to conducting more interviews next year. As usual, I really hope that you enjoyed this podcast, and if you liked it, please feel free to leave us a positive review and share with anyone that you think would benefit from uh, the knowledge that Dr. Perot imparted. And once again, on behalf of everyone here in the Northeast Ohio Tech Prep region, enjoy your holidays and see you in the new year.